Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. How about this beautiful trophy? Huh? Hey, I got some wise words for that Cincinnati mayor. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. You gotta fight for your right to party! Minus three with Dave Damashek. One thing's for sure, I think we can all agree that Travis Kelsey's hilarious joke would have gone over even better if he had delivered it under the neutral site Atlanta Dome, right? No, no, that, no, I think no one agrees on that. Here's what I mean. The, the thing we can all agree on. Let's never hear of neutral site title games ever again. All right, NFL? And now let's move forward together. Hi and hello and welcome to Minus Three Sports Fans. As always, we're presented by Omaha. We're excited to head over to Phoenix, Arizona and Glendale for Super Bowl week. Me, Sal, Eddie Spaghetti and some of the rest of the crew heading over there for a few days to drink in some of the electric atmosphere. Very exciting. I don't get why everybody has to try to feel important by announcing that they're underwhelmed by this Super Bowl matchup. It's the two one seeds. It's the guys who are about to finish one and two in the MVP chase. Patrick Mahomes, a legend now. Another Super Bowl already at his young age versus the breakout star dual threat. Can this win in the NFL? Jalen Hurts has won. One last game left. That's not enough for you. I don't care that much about Kelsey versus Kelsey. I'm about at the same level as I was Harbaugh versus Harbaugh. Good for their family. Doesn't do much for me. Either way, though, I'm excited for this one. Muzzle tough, two Eagles fans and Chiefs fans. You're just about at the peak of the mountain. Very exciting for you. Enjoy the next week and a half. Caesars right now has Philly laying two points. Total on the game is 49 and a half. Hurts is plus 125, shortest odds to be the game's MVP. Mahomes right behind him, not surprisingly, plus 130. And then skill position guys, skill position guys, pick the flavor you want there. Some worthwhile um, plays there. But I look at defense. If you go through, even in the 21st century, defenders will get it. If the offense wins the day, then almost always it's going to be the QB. I know there are exceptions, but usually it's going to be the QB. You know, maybe Travis Kelsey has 15 catches or something like that, and and that could be it. I can't really see a path otherwise, though, for A.J. Brown, decent odds on him. But it's the defensive guy's first defensive player up is Hassan Reddick after his performance on Sunday. I bet he'll get some uh, some decent action, plus 4,000. Chris Jones, plus 5,000. Meantime, Eddie Spaghetti there behind the glass, um, and uh, uh, looking forward to digging in on this one with uh, – uh, Matt Verderam from Fansided in just a minute here. He's one of these people. I like his work very much, but he's one of these emerging. Well, I, th I think it's actually the majority of sports media people who diminish QB wins in the playoffs. It's everything to me. Am I right, Eddie Spaghetti, or am I the crazy one here? Well, I, I mean, I, I'm a weird person that could actually see both both sides of the the argument here. I, you know. Uh, I think, you know, QB wins, you know, let's just say the 49ers ended up, you know, winning that game with Josh Johnson. And then, you know, is, is Josh John, like, 
Josh Johnson is the reason they were led there. They were led there because the team was built correctly, which is something that I've been preaching lately about. You have to stop trying to find your Patrick Mahomes and draft and build a good roster. Uh, we saw with the Chiefs, I mean, the, sorry, with the Bills, that you have a, a great quarterback like Josh Allen, but the rest of the roster has some holes in it, and it kind of fails. So, But I also agree with your stance, too, about – Yes, like having the Eli Manning career with the two rings is probably a more impressive than a Dan Marino, despite Dan Marino being the better player. It can go both ways. I, um, I it's just in your it, gut what you want. Yeah. More impressive Marino, but career I'd rather have. I'd, I'd like to be holding the Lombardi trophy. I think I'm a with you. I'm with you. That's the point of playing, right? I mean, the, the point of playing is to hold up the Lombardi trophy. It's about winning. It's that's what everyone matters. Everyone, uh, everyone remembers that, and people hold it against you to not the Philip Rivers, the Charles Barkleys, you know, the Patrick Ewings, like the the Henrik Lundqvist. Even if you don't win, people remember you for not winning, and they remember that one special run you had, or the Giants, Casey Lamanks, case the two special runs you had. Obviously, you with Big Ben, the two runs you guys had. Um, you know, the two wins. Obviously, got the three Super Bowls. So it's, yeah, I, I'm probably with you, but um, I, I don't know. I still feel like it's, it's still more of a, a team game. Um, although despite this recent era, we've had dominant quarterbacks mostly uh, win Super Bowl. So I guess over that's time what, it has kind of shifted. That's right. That's it. Yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's the overcomplicating of a very simple matter. It's not some fluke that the teams that are always in the mix are the ones that have the good QBs. And then there are Trent Dilfer and Joe Flacco and a couple of exceptions that prove the rule. But those teams aren't in the mix for very long. You can mm -hmm. break through and get to a Super Bowl. Anyway, we'll get into that in just a minute here. A um, couple things about title game weekend. Chime in here with any um, anything that jumped out at you there, Spaghetti. I'm kind of happy as somebody who likes a through line. I like a baseline to my sports. I don't like completely random results. So I'm happy. And also um, happy to self-validate that Brock Purdy did not erase the 56 years of evidence that a rookie QB has never taken his team. It's now 57 years of Super Bowl era um, evidence that a rookie QB has never taken his team to a Super Bowl. And we can talk about if the Devontae Smith catch hadn't, ha hadn't counted and if Purdy's elbow... I, in fact, as a vain person, I'm kind of miffed because I still think the result would have been the result, not a blowout, but I think the Eagles would have won that. And then I could have patted myself on the back, but now I look like a jerk for doing it after the way Brock Purdy went out. And that was a mess. And obviously, like I said in the moment, and as everybody else who talks about football for a living has pointed out, and I bet you the NFL will do this in the offseason, they will allow for an emergency quarterback to be available because that was a bad look. Josh Johnson being in the field, then he gets knocked out. Like, oh yeah, Christian McCaffrey might play some QB. So that, that was horrible. And uh, uh, unfortunately, I think for the Eagles and their fans, not that they care right now as they're trying to climb up uh, um, light posts and, and otherwise, um, I do think it's diminished the, the big moment for the sports town of Philadelphia. Like I said, I don't probably probably hasn't broken through to them just yet, nor do I expect that they care, but it, it does take away from the special moment. And that goes times five for the chiefs fans and for their players, because I think the headline is, I think that the chiefs would have won the game despite the terrible officiating, but it was the single worst officiated pro football game I've ever watched in my life. I don't know that it impacted, and I probably lean that it didn't ultimately impact the final score, but boy, I would be P.O.'d if I were Joe Burrow 
or Zach Taylor, who was PO'd. You could see that rightly. So he should have just like he should have taken his pants off and thrown them on the field and been like, no, 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 we're not pl- we're not going forward until this and un- un- until this hash is settled here. He wasn't, in fact, angry enough that they were like, yep, we have no choice. We got to do that third down again. That was the craziest thing. People talk about the Dez catch and the New Orleans and Rams and the Saints should have gone to the. This was the weirdest call I've ever seen in a pro football game. A do-over. What the hell was that? And people say, well, he did. He was waving his arms. Nobody saw him, including the lead official and Patrick Mahomes and the other 10 guys on the Chiefs side of the. That was the craziest thing I've ever seen. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time here because we'll get into it with Matt. But I also think that the correct call was was the late hit on Mahomes, right? Technically, yeah, but technically, by the way, the season has gone, the last few seasons have gone. Also, Frank Clark belted Joe Burrow a couple of game minutes before that. Could have flagged that. If you don't flag Burrow, you don't need to flag Mahomes there. And it, the overarching thing is that the chip on the shoulder um, sort of arrogance of these referees to right after the do-over play, they give it to, oh, yeah, defensive holding on uh, on Eli Apple. Like, don't you have any sense in your head, man? You guys just are, are altering potentially pro football history, and you don't feel like, boy, that was really screwed up. We better just swallow these whistles and, and eat these flags for the time being here. Instead, nope, we're going to get Patrick Mahomes a fresh set of downs. That was crazy. Didn't love that. Um but my big takeaway is with the Osai thing is that he gets that hit and every and he's crying and you feel bad for him and as a human being, as one of society's leading empaths. You I, I'm I'm inclined to be like, don't worry, Osai. It wasn't just about that one play. And like, ah, you got a long career ahead of you. You'll make up for it in 2023 and beyond. Like the fact of the matter is that will stick with that kid for the rest of his career. Whether you think it's right or wrong. I, you know, ask Neil O'Donnell, if you blow it on the big stage, there's nothing else that can happen in your career that will overshadow that or very little that will. It, think about Scott Norwood. He didn't have a, 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 a magical moment to offset the big miss. Those singular moments are everything to these guys. And that's why imperfect though QB wins and the playoffs aren't everything. And we still had a great year and we went, you know, 14 and three, and that's not going to take away from the magic that we had this. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is for, for history. It will be remembered and be a prisoner of the moment now and be like special season. Anyway, Niners, Eh, it's a footnote in history. I'm sorry to say that as somebody whose team didn't make the playoffs, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Who wins, gets the accolades, gets the glory, gets the TV ads, and you're tying yourself into the knots to try and create an alternate reality if you can't accept that. What's Joe Montana remembered for? His great athletic gifts? No, he won all the big games when he was in them. That's what you get remembered for. Tom Brady is not the GOAT because he was the great physical specimen. It's because he beat everybody who he played, who were the guys who were more physically talented than him. Meantime, about the refereeing Eddie Spaghetti. I have to say, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The biggest, I, what, what I think is funny about the TV referee, Gene Steratore, or otherwise, Blandino and those guys, Mike Pereira, is that 
it was well-intentioned and like this will help the audience understand the rules a little bit more and what goes on in the official's head. Instead, it has become the most damning thing to um, to the state of actual officiating in the NFL. When they chime in like, yeah, that was a bad call. I wouldn't have made that one. It only makes you more angry <laughs> if you're sitting on your couch, let alone if you have a rooting interest or have a little bit of loot on the game. I, I I think it's really funny that they have put themselves that the networks have have exposed this by trying to fix it with with this half ass thing. The point is, if Gene Steratore knows in the moment, like yeah, his arm was there, but he didn't turn him around, I wouldn't have called that. Then Gene Steratore, somebody else can can very easily say to the official on the field, yeah, you got that one, uh, you got that call wrong. I would reverse it there. Like yeah, we're picking up the flag there. That just took four seconds to do it. Doesn't have to take ten minutes to do it and get it right. I think that's bad. Also bad, the cynicism around poor Tony Romo. Why is he taking so much grief today? I think he he had a a very fine game. I thought he, he he called a fun one. His enthusiasm is infectious. Um, and he explained why QB wins are a thing because the players themselves care. His anecdote about Michael Jordan in the 92 finals and people thought maybe Clyde the glide is as good. And MJ stuck it to him as a result of all that Mahomes stuck it to Burrow and had the play because he understood his legacies on the line. You sports media members trying to diminish the value of these precious moments that we have that we wait for all season, nay, all year long for is weird to me. And I'm not sure even what the angle really is. I, I, I really can't fathom trying to diminish the visceral importance that you feel the players feeling down on the field and in the broadcast booth. I thought Romo um, was just fine. The only thing he's going with a little bit too much in my book, he's getting more and more saying national football league instead of NFL. I don't know where that came from, but that that's my one critique for you, Romo going forward. Last thing before we get to Verderam spaghetti is through no fault of their own. Like the Patriots are easy to hate. There, there's obvious reasons to hate them. I think you and I agree that the Islanders are loathsome. You you didn't really see their best day, so maybe you don't hate them as much, but they beat my team too many times. I hate them. They're, they're brands that are out there. That's like the Raiders. They, they embrace being hated and fancy pants Cowboys. The Chiefs, though, I think because of the officiating, and through no fault of their own, are now... We have now gone, uh, they've they've uh, jumped the shark in terms of being a lovable team. True or false? I think now the rest of pro football is anti-Chiefs. This is almost inevitable when you're borderline dynasty. People are like, oh, I'm bored of watching this. It's like you watching Sidney Crosby, the you know, a lovely man who's never done anything bad, and yet you don't like him because you get tired of the same storyline and the same dominance. I think that's true of these Chiefs. How say you? I totally agree with you. I've I I think your entire you know spiel right there. I agree with ninety nine point nine 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 percent of it. The only thing I disagree with you on is I am one of those people who came out and said I am not looking forward to the Super Bowl, and that's part of the reason why I don't. Patrick Mahomes doesn't need to do anything else in his career for me to think differently of him. Like he's never realistically never going to catch Tom Brady in terms of Super Bowl wins. So that to me is a lost cause. And oh, really, I think if he, I think if he wins this one, now that ball's no, in the air for another no season. I mean, I would we'll take, I take the under on that bet at, at ten times out of ten. He's not going. to I don't think he's going to catch him in terms of rings. But if right. he gets the two, now there's a conversation to be had. I think a little bit at least. 
But Mahomes can't, so like he can't do anything that's going to go, oh, now he's definitely the best. Like he's already the best. He's the best, arguably most talented we've ever seen in history. And he's getting to another Super Bowl and potentially could win this one. So it doesn't change anything on that front. I have a problem with obviously the referees and I've tweeted enough about the referees. I spoke on all various podcasts and extra points about the referees. Like I, I don't like doing a victory lap, but they're as bad as it gets. And for the Chiefs fans, and there, there are a lot of them on Twitter, if it were me, you got, that's when you just go radio silent. You kind of just like take your win and then you just walk away from social media and go, okay, we were kind of gifted one. Um, let's just, you know, focus on, on the Eagles, a, a tough task at hand. So that definitely agree with you that they're the fans now are, are not easy to root for. And this is coming from somebody who's a giants fan and the Eagles win the super bowl. And there's nobody worse than an Eagles fan. So um, for me personally, this super bowl is hell on earth. Uh, I don't care about either team winning. Uh, I I'm watching it because I'm, uh, I have to for work purposes and I just, I don't miss Super Bowls, but it's, there's no juice. There's just no juice to this one. It's just uh, it's a I, great Super no, Bowl. It's, it's a not. one seat. It's not. I it's get not. your, I guess why you wouldn't want to watch the Eagles as a suit. I completely come, get that. Come, like, coming off Ravens. It's gross, coming off that but, bad, that coming off that bad weekend, the conference title weekend. It was so bad. Like I didn't think referees can get any worse during the 49ers Eagles game. And they somehow did. And partly because the game was a lot closer. Obviously, it was the second game. So it's a little bit fresher in our minds. We're all become prisoner of the moment. But the first, like, I don't want to, like, focusing on the on the, the Bengals-Chiefs game, we can't forget how bad they were in that first the NFC title game. They were atrocious then. And I do think the game could have been a different outcome. Obviously, the Purdy injury is paramount. But I do think that Devontae Smith play doesn't happen. The Eagles were not moving the ball in the 49ers at all in the beginning of the game. And I think it would have been a lot closer. And um, I, and, and I completely yeah, and, agree with you. And, and, and to go back to where where I always come down on this is, like, the answer, the weird like Stockholm syndrome answer that fans even give is like, what are you going to do? There's not, there's not a fix to this. Like, what, what, what do you want, Dave? Six and a half hour games? No, I want him to look at the replay and in real time just get in the referee's ear and be like, yeah, he dropped that one. I mean, like that, that's it. Like, yes. it, it does not have to take. 11 minutes like he has to go and get the thing to walk off the field and meditate for a while and talk to a couple of his friends in the black hat because he's wearing the white hat but he's got to talk to his friend and then they have to talk none of that is required and, and you said it the replay and you said it uh you know when when they when they toss to gene sterator in the booth and he says like well i don't agree with the call in the field so what does that prove it proves that a referee that was in our league for a number of uh, years, if not like decades, his opinion on the call is different than the guy who's calling it on the field, which means that nobody is in unison about what the call actually is, which is further proves the point. The referees legitimately do not agree on what is a call and what's not. So like that is a huge problem. The fact that they, they switch up the crews when like for these all-star crews, why not have the same crew that's used to each other work together? And why are they not full time? And, and, and I just, I agree. It just to be a command center. It's, be that expedited review everything should be reviewable because that's what the point right they're getting it wrong most of the time which means everything should be reviewable and i just let the bad taste line out and yes it's definitely a great story with jalen hurts this time last year obviously lost the bucks rebounds dramatically become, becomes a great dual threat uh mvp candidate great story 
and and the Eagles are loaded. Howie Rosen did a fantastic job. I understand that, and I understand the greatness of Mahomes. Uh, of them getting back to that, the rivalry with Burrow will be awesome. There are good storylines, but to me, it just doesn't have any juice. I, I don't. I'm not going to feel. I was more. I, I would just you know be way more excited to see a Purdy. You know, a Jimmy G having to show up and play in the Super Bowl because Purdy's injury. That's fun. Like Burrow finally getting a chance after losing last year. That's more fun to me. So this one, you know, it's just going to be one of them. I'm going to try to forget. Oh, it's such a bummer, right? Because that if I really could have threaded that needle when I said a month ago, like if you think, or I said that six weeks ago, probably, I think it's fair. I said, if the Niners get to the Super Bowl, Jimmy G will be their quarterback. How great would that have been if Jimmy awesome. G would have been suited up and they had won that? I could have patted myself on the back for the, you know what? I'm going to pat myself on the back for having the thought. All right. You know what? Quick break here, and then let's get into QB wins and more with uh, with an emerging talent, I think, in uh, in football media. From fan-sided, Matt Verderam. Have you been betting with Caesar Sportsbook and Casino app? If so, good job. Keep it up because every bet earns with Caesar's rewards. That means win or lose, you're getting closer to amazing perks like game tickets, free stays, bonuses, and more. And if not, well, when you do get started, your first bet is on Caesars. Register with promo code OmahaFull. And place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, congratulations. If you don't, you'll get your stake back as a free bet, 21 and over. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with an eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bet credit $1,250 must be used within 14 days of receipt tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles see caesars.com slash promos for full terms void where prohibited know when to stop before you start gambling problem Arizona call 1-800 next step Colorado Wyoming Kansas affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino call 1-800-522-4700 Indiana call 1-800-9 with it. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, let's continue the fun football talking here with a guy who may or may not know, it, but he is my adversary right now because he is on one of the hot button issues of our time. QB wins. Do they matter or not? Obviously, I say they do. He's one of these stinkers who says they don't. You know him from fan-sided. Definitely, if you don't, check out his podcast, Stacking the Box. It is great stuff. I've consumed it myself. I can verify that much. I've become quite a fan of his over this football season. It's Matt Verderam. How are you, Pally? Oh, and by the way, you're down in Mobile this weekend to watch uh, the future NFL stars, eh? That's true. That's true. I am down here. I, I got down here uh, on Monday afternoon. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, three days of watching practice. Hopefully it doesn't rain. Last time we were down here bored. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun to, to to get a little bit of an insight into this. But I look forward to this quarterback wins conversation. I think All right, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Uh, you, you won't by the time I'm finished with you, friend. Only one of us can come out victorious and the other will be cast on the scrap heap of history. Or that's how people on your side would like to zero sum the conversation. Win and you get the glory. But if you lose, you you fall behind Zach Wilson in the QB rankings, which which is not at all the case. One gets the gold, the other gets the silver. That's the answer, right? Nobody nobody is falling behind Zach Wilson. Okay, for starters. Secondly, <laughs> uh, I actually think you and I are more similar on this than you think, but we do disagree in terms of, I know you know we're on the opposite sides of the Mahomes-Burrow thing going into the AC title game. Um, which ended up being a, a pretty fascinating game where one might I add outshine the other one playing with uh, three receivers. It might as well be you, me, and the producer. So uh, he was able to get it done on one leg. We'll see if he can do it in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's right. And, I, I, and you know, to the victor go the spoils. And, uh, you know, before the game-winning field goal even went through the crossbars, though, that, 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 the, or uh, between the posts, the genuflection had already begun about yeah, look at what he's tough he's so tough i mean he's he's an all-world talent but what his main uh quality is is his toughness no it's not it's his otherworldly talent that's still the number one thing for patrick mahomes but that's what i'm talking about is the narratives are forged by what happens in these few moments imperfect uh, it's an imperfect way to evaluate an entire career but it's the best we got and like i always say What's the alternative? Gathering around the the laptop to see his uh, his average yards per attempt. I mean, like that that leaves me um, less viscerally excited about the game than basing it off of those few special plays we see in the biggest spots of their career. Right? I mean, is that is that I, I, am, I, I, am I crazy for that? No, you're 100. So I agree with you. Like the the annoyance I had all week with the Mahomes Burrow conversation is first of all both of them are great and every time you get into this argument with with who's better and, and this guy's declaratively better you diminish them and it drives me nuts. Um, I always go back to Jim Kelly and Dan Marino because I think it's a perfect example of this. Right, Dan Marino lost more games against Jim Kelly than he won. He only went to one Super Bowl. Kelly went to four. Kelly was on the more winning teams over the course of his career. They both had Hall of Fame coaches. Right, Kelly had the better roster for most of his career. Kelly beat him in all three playoff games where they went head-to-head. Beat him all three times, including in the AFC title game. There's not a soul alive who thinks that Jim Kelly's a better player than Dan Marino was. Jim Kelly was great. The Hall of Famer. Not Dan Marino. 
And I think, but if you looked at those numbers and you get these people who just say, if Burrow beats Mahomes this week, he's the best. That's an insane way to go about watching football. If I disagree we- with you. See now, see, this is the point, and I and I have heard you make this point. Here, here are a couple pushbacks for you. Let's start with Dan Marino. My favorite question of all to to kind of position this: whose career ultimately would you rather have had, Dan Marino's or Eli Manning's? Eli Manning's because he won the rings. That's fair. Well, right. So, so that's so that's the best we have to evaluate. I don't think Eli was better than Dan Marino, but. You can understand that in those special moments, at minimum, the the debate about whether or not Eli deserves the Hall of Fame, people then fall back to never won a playoff game outside of those two years that right. he ran the table with those Giants teams. Yeah, that's enough for me. He's a Hall of Famer. He he did it in the biggest moments, and they count a hundred times more than whatever happened in early October against uh, against Washington in my book. Right. I mean, I was, do we no, agree I, on that part? I, I do agree on that. I think look, people can misconstrue the whole thing. So I'll, I'll give a, a perfect example. That I think you, you'll agree with me on. Philip Rivers was a very talented football player. But if I said to you, Dave, give me the quintessential, the, the signature moment in Philip Rivers career. What is it? Throwing a pick in the fourth quarter. What is it? Like what, what do you point to and go? Yes, that was his defining characteristic. That was his bolo ties. His nine kids, like what is? There's nothing that you. Look, he was he was terrific, but he was Matthew Stafford. Poor Matthew Stafford got a ring. Like that's that's who he was. And Eli Manning, to me, when you think of the it's the Hall of Fame. He beat an undefeated Patriot team. It's like when people argue name it shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. First of all, people never watched name and throw football. Secondly, he won the most famous game in NFL history outside of the '58 championship game. He should be in. He won that game. That matters. So you, I would that try. that is you. Okay. See, we do agree a lot more than I realized. See, see? what well, we are on the same page, largely, absolutely right on Namath. I, I he is the number one to me. First of all, we I, I I would be hard pressed to argue real hard against any QB getting into the Hall of Fame so long as Bob Greasy gets to keep his gold jacket. That's that's, that, that's the most absurd Man, uh, gold jacket. It's it's ridiculous, but. Um, yeah, the name of thing is, is the one that shows people's age. And I guess really they're the victors. Cause that means they're younger than I am. I didn't see Joe Namath play live either, but I have enough sense to understand exactly what you just said. The weight of that win. It is the m- most important win. I think you could probably say you could tick through a, f- a few other examples, but probably the most important victory of the Super Bowl era, the most important result that we have seen in 57 years of, of Super Bowl era football. So yes, of course he has to be in the hall of fame. And besides to your other point, you don't know what you're talking about. If you don't know that Joe Namath and every other quarterback were, was throwing a ton of picks back then to point it way and more career interceptions. Everybody threw a ton of picks. The game was quite different. The, the inflection point that I always say for people among passers in the NFL when the game really turns within the Super Bowl era is 1978 when they implement the Mel Blunt rule, freeing up receivers and, and making it easier to throw the ball. There are a couple other big moments along the way, but that's the biggest in uh, more than a half a century. The other one, though, is the other question I have then is for you as a defender of like, I, you're not sure. I, Yes, raw talent and how do we evaluate that? Not raw talent, his arm is strong kind of thing, but, you know, in, in, incorporating everything that goes into being an NFL quarterback. 
Why is Tom Brady better and nobody debates it? Why is he the best of all time? Is it because because he's a specimen? Obviously not, right? It's because he won the most. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's an interesting argument. I think it's going to evolve over time. Like, if you look at the NBA, Bill Russell won the most. But nobody argues that Bill Russell is better than Michael Jordan. Some people do. My old man will still uh, get in there. Uh, and, Your old and, man uh, is some, on an island. Your right. old man is on an island. Of course, he wouldn't be competitive if you dropped him into the 21st century. I I, I agree. There's there, there are these trailblazers. It's funny. I've been thinking about Gino, Oriama, uh, Gino Oriema a little bit. Yeah, it's like the John Wooden UCLA run i'm not diminishing them per se but because they deserve credit for being sort of trailblazers or figuring something out. It's a little belichicky if you think about it that you there's just some weird i don't know what nuance what cheat code to the video game they figured out it's a little bit like your favorite hockey team the new jersey devils who realized like oh yeah we can just win a bunch of games if we just trap everybody in the neutral zone everybody's like hey wait a minute what are you doing and then for the next 15 years everybody else uh, started doing the exact same thing. It's a, those funny little cheat codes. You deserve credit if you're ahead of the curve on those things. Um, but I, you know, I that that's sort of how I regard the the Brady experience too. And before that, though, why what what makes Joe Montana before Brady was the goat? Joe Montana was the goat. What makes that so? Nothing to do with his it, it, nothing to do with his physical being, right? Right. I think it's two things with both of them, actually. I think it is their ability to win the big game, of course, but I think it's also the way they win their big games. They win them in these iconic moments, right? I mean, Brady driving down the field, whether it was against the Rams or against the Panthers, obviously the comeback against Atlanta. You know, there's these the, the, the Seattle game, which he was on the sideline for that ending, but he was able to play very, very well in the fourth quarter. Montana has 14 on the generation's best defense in the fourth quarter when everybody looked at him and said, our only shot is you 12. And he came through. It's my favorite uh, hero moment that we've seen that the only chance they had of rallying was him. And he did it. And Montana, you look at him now, uh, you know, obviously it wasn't a Super Bowl, but the catch, right. That was just kind of like welcome to America moment. And then in the, in the 88 Super Bowl, Super Bowl 23 drives him down, John Taylor in the end zone, John Candy in the stands, all of it. Like, I think there is, America loves the hero that it wishes it could be, right? Like it, it, everybody wants to be Joe Montana. Everybody wants to be Tom Brady. You know that the good looks and the great quarterback and the winning and 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 all the accolades that come along with it. I think those guys like look. They're you know Jim Plunkett won two Super Bowls. Nobody's talking about Jim Plunkett, right? Like he, he's not Montana. No, he's not Montana Brady for a lot of reasons. But I think you know Terry Bradshaw won four Super Bowls. You're Steelers, right? Like. Terry Bradshaw, in 74, the year they won their first one, he, he wasn't even the starting quarterback for half the season, but, like, he became that guy. And then he became an MVP in 78 when they liberated the rules and everybody thought it would slow Pittsburgh down and made him even better. Like, I I think winning is, winning is always paramount in American sports, I think most sports. But when you have those guys that check off all those other boxes as well, especially the clutch gene, which everybody appreciates – um, except for maybe the stat nerds who think it's not a real thing, even though it's it's the most obvious real thing in the world. Those those guys will always carry a little bit of extra weight. Uh, by, by the way, I, I would say the same thing about momentum, but that's a conversation for another time, oh, too. I, I believe in momentum as well. Obviously, what, what they're robots, they don't feel 
that, oh, wow, we got a chance, whereas we didn't have a chance three minutes ago. Wow, so we got something cooking here. And the other side's like, uh-oh, we thought we had this one in the bag, and now we now we may not uh, we may not have this one. It's going to come down to the wire. Yeah, that's not a real thing, according to people who don't believe in momentum. Um, but, I mean, I, so basically, I think we're saying the same thing, but then it goes against what you said, and your podcast really is, your most recent one in advance of this game. Go listen to the first five, ten minutes, because because uh, uh, the audience out there, because Matt's really funny in it, arguing against, I'm so exhausted, Burrow's not going to be better than Mahomes, but he is based on exactly what you just said. People love winning. If Burrow had gone in there and, again, done the same thing, they were down Again, in Arrowhead, two Patrick Mahomes and the mighty Kansas City Chiefs, the number one seed. And if he rallied them to victory again, we rightly would be talking about, I don't know what it is about Joe Burrow. Yeah, he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes' arm and he doesn't have Josh Allen's legs. But man, that guy wins in the end. And that is basically the way we would describe Joe Montana and Tom Brady, right? Yeah, I think you would. You would. Burrow, I, I think, absolutely would fit in that arm. Here's what drives me nuts about that stuff, though, is. Mahomes has already won a Super Bowl and been to two, which at best, if Burrow went to the Super Bowl, he could tie Mahomes in those two categories. Now, if he wins the Super Bowl, they're like, I'm willing to have that talk, right? Because then it's, hey, you beat Mahomes twice to get there in his own building. Fair enough. But if he went there and they got beat by 30 by Philadelphia, like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that you're better than Mahomes because you'd be like, you don't have a ring. Mahomes is a ring. Plus, the other part of that, too, is now Mahomes has two years of starting experience over Burrow, too. So it's a little uneven, to be fair to Burrow. Mahomes has been a starter for five years. He has hosted the Asia Championship game five years in a row. They they have seen him go to the Pro Bowl all five years. He is about to be a two-time MVP. He is a he is a second-team All-Pro once and a two-time first-team All-Pro. Like, Burrow's been to one Pro Bowl. I mean, I just, to me, the accolades are so one-sided but I hate the conversation in general, which was the point I made on my podcast, because Burrow's great. But then, like, if, if somebody listened to that 30-second clip of me, they'd be like, oh, this guy thinks Burrow sucks. Like, no, Burrow's terrific. He's terrific. But Mahomes is on a level that is just bonk. It's kind of like when Montana and Elway played at the same time. Elway was That's amazing. Right. Amazing. Montana was a better overall player throughout the course of his career. He won one more MVPs, won more Super Bowls. Now, look, I'm not going to get on Elway for the fact that they got the crap kicked out of him against the Niners. The Niners were an all-time team. Fine. The first two Broncos teams of the 80s to get to the Super Bowl were were junk. Oh, not junk. They they were very mediocre. They were. If you don't know yeah. Sammy Winder and Steve Watson and Vance Johnson, those were not mediocre pieces. Those were subpar. And yet John Elway dragged them to two Super three over the course of the 80s. They were a little bit better by the end of that decade. But still, the point stands. And, you know, same goes Marino on Montana. That was the biggest QB event since at least Bradshaw and Staubach when, when those two uh, Pittsburgh guys went head to head in Super Bowl 19. And it was a decisive knockout by Montana. And I don't think anybody was debating. Well, obviously Marino's the better QB. I, I, the nuance around it, I get your frustration, but I also, but you ultimately, I think get where I'm coming from because here's another example, Steve Young, if he doesn't get the reaction of Steve Young against the the bum Chargers winning that Super Bowl. Get that monkey off my back. Finally, I did it. You could see that it is something that needs to happen for you to reach the level. And yes, it is a very narrow difference between Jim Kelly and Dan Marino and, and uh, you know, I, I, 
Troy Aikman and who's better between those guys. But history um, is written by the victors or whatever the cliche is. And and yeah, that's right. If you win, then you get more accolades and you are the eternal legend. And if Patrick Mahomes to look, you know, two weeks ahead now for all the greatness, if he doesn't win, you can agree probably it doesn't diminish his individual greatness, but it does now in, in this Think about stacking big time wins and and Patrick Mahomes surely cares. The guy who stood at the podium on Sunday night and talked about, I wanted to smoke one of pa- Joe Burrow style cigars. That's sticking it to Joe Burrow. He understands yeah. his place. It was Tony Romo had a great story or a great comparison. I, I'm sure you heard it during the game about Michael Jordan is cried Clyde Drexler as good as him now. And Michael Jordan didn't like that. He took that personally and showed Clyde and the rest of the world who the boss is. It matters to those guys. They can say, oh, that legacy stuff is for you, media types and fans. Oh, they care. They they care deeply about it based on the remarks they make and their reactions to finally getting over the hump. Of course, it matters. And not only does it matter, it is by far the most important thing going. So I, I I I think it's weird when people sort of harumph at the idea of like what is who wins these playoff games does not impact my opinion of quarterbacks. It's the QB league. Everything is built around those guys. They get paid way more than anybody else. So of course it matters how they perform in the biggest spots, right? I mean, the- nobody nobody cares if Barry Sanders never got to a Super Bowl because he's not a quarterback. It's the QB thing. Absolutely. Right. If you're a quarterback in the NFL, what is the first thing on your on your resume? If you're a great player and you're trying to get in the Hall of Fame, the first thing, did you win? Did you win? And it should be one of the top things, if not the top thing. Now, look, there are some guys who transcend that. Nobody would argue that Warren Moon doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. He was an all time great quarterback. Didn't work out for him. Dan Fouch, same deal. They had no defense. Fair enough. But. It matters. Like people will always look at those guys and go, man, they were great. How did they never win? That's always attached to you. I mean, just ask, you know, we talk about Kelly Marino, right? Marino's always that guy. He's the best who never won. If Mahomes loses in two weeks, I think there will be a little bit of like, like he's an all-time great. And it matters that he got to another Super Bowl. People care about how many appearances you made. But sure, there's always going to be a little bit of that like, man, only one and two, though. Like only one and two. Or if you win it, now it's like, man, he's got multiple Super Bowl rings. And then you go into a whole other pantheon of guys. Then you get into the Bradshaws and the Montanas and the Aikmans and the Elways and the Mannings and the Bradys. And even your guy, Bob Greasy, who have won a star, who have won multiple Super Bowls. Plunkett, it's a rare group. Not many guys win to. And and, and then you start getting into the conversation, oh, my God, he's only 27 years old. Look how good that team is. He might win three, four, five, you know, but – he also may never get back. That's the that's the tricky part of this. We always think we know what the future is going to hold, but we don't. Everybody's so skewed by Brady because he went to 10 Super Bowls. So everybody's just assuming, right. like, well, Mahomes is the next guy. So what Brady did is never going to happen again. That is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. If Mahomes gets the four or five Super Bowls in his career, that's incredible. Like, that's one of the fact he's to three of them at this point is incredible. And, of course, on the other side, for Jalen Hurts, this is a career-defining game. You win this game, you are a made man for life. And if you lose this game and you never get back, you go in the, you go in the you know, okay, you're Kerry Collins. Fine. Who cares? 
right? You got to you've got to have that sustainable. That's right. That's exactly right. And I think it's um, you know, as we then transition here um to the copycat league conversation that I I, I want to turn this into. So Josh Allen um, you know, is heralded as the guy and I said before these playoffs and I said in December, you know, they can get to the Super Bowl and win it, but it's going to have to all be about 17. And that was that was too much for him to carry all on his own. It really did kind of boil down to that. It did as the as we went into the playoffs, that vibe started to become true. And Patrick Mahomes, I said three years ago, this is the best roster he's ever going to be on. He might win more Super Bowls. He might get the more Super Bowls, but he's never going to be on as complete a roster as he had back then because of the contract. Where are you now um, on as the cap keeps going up and it went up again on Monday by a bit bigger, bigger than expected or bigger than uh, many expected. Do you think that the NFL has now created enough room that you can, you know, pay out 45 or $55 million to your QB and still have a really nice roster and keep the, the majority of your core together because that wasn't true five or 10 years ago. But now I feel like the league has figured out that by doing that, it allows you to have your cake and eat it too. If you are one of these teams that has figured it out, or is it the alternative that the chiefs figured it out and by moving Tyreek Hill in the off season and an imperfect collection of pass catchers, you know, uh, probably qual uh, quantity over quality in Tyreek Hill, but still enough there to get to the Super Bowl. Um, is the copycat league or the other 31 teams saying like, Oh, look at what the chiefs just did. We can do that. Or is it a product of the league figuring that out and raising the cap? Well, it's actually really interesting because the two teams in the Super Bowl, one traded away an all pro receiver and the other one went out and acquired one. Right. I mean, and they paid him. So it's interesting to see the dichotomy, but what's the difference? Hertz is on a rookie deal. Mahomes isn't right. So these, these two teams are working with two different budget constraints. Um, I think it's interesting. I remember sampling a lot of uh, personnel men, I don't know, a month ago, asking what they thought the cap would be. And the consensus was kind of like, yeah, maybe 220, that'd be pretty good. And it's 225. So they're all thrilled to death. But if you talk to agents, they'll sit there and tell you, hey, listen, I don't care about that. I care about what the percentage of the cap is, like for my player. So in other words, let's just say Mahomes' contract is 18% of the Chiefs cap. Agents will look at that and go, okay, my guy's got to get 18% of the new cap. Like, so whatever that is, it's just going to keep going up. And so I think it's still going to hamstring teams in a similar fashion. I think the the main thing, Dave, and it'll always be the main thing, you have to draft well. If you draft well, you will always be good. And the Chiefs, look at the AFC Championship game. They, half of their defense was rookies. Half of them. They When the Legarius Sneed went out, all three corners were rookies. A first round, a fourth round, and a seventh round pick. Brian Cook, who's their third safety, who played a ton in that game, was their second-round pick out of Cincinnati. George Karloftis was a first-round pick out of Purdue up front. And Leo Chanel was coming in on some rundowns, and Willie Gay got hurt. And he was a third-round pick out of Wisconsin. Brett Veach did a masterful job in drafting Sky Moore with the big punt return. Second-round rookie Isaiah mm -hmm. Pacheco, a seventh-round kid out of Rutgers. They're all rookies. I mean, I just rolled off eight guys who are rookies who are playing real roles and in some cases, huge roles on this team. And you mentioned Josh Allen at the beginning. If the Bills are going to win, they're going to now his cap number is going from 17, 18 million to 40 million. Right. Brandon Bean better draft well, really well, or they're going to have a problem.
Like that is, that's the secret sauce in this. And some teams can do it and some can't. It really is. And, uh, you know, as uh, somebody on the Steeler side of things, I'm glad that uh, Andy Weidel moved back to Pittsburgh from Philadelphia. And wow. And I said on Sunday to Steelers fans at large, if you think Weidel is looking at Jordan Addison and saying, that's what we need, you aren't paying attention. That's not to say Weidel is going to rule the war room on draft day. Obviously, Tomlin and Khan are going to have a big say in what happens right. there. But I think they bring Weidel over from Philly because that mentality, I think he is going to look to Braun up at the line of scrimmage. That's why the Eagles have been relevant for the last decade in terms of playoff appearances, whether they're a legit Super Bowl contender or not, is owed to what they what they have, the depth they have at the line of scrimmage. But where Jalen Hurts is concerned, I do agree with you, made man and all that. But his narrative or the larger narrative around him is that I, or the thing I point to, and you know, I've, people you know insinuate weird things about me for pointing this out, but who's the best? dual threat, like legitimate dual threat, not a guy who, oh yeah, if he's jammed up, he can take off and burn you with his legs. But I mean, design plays to take advantage of his running. Steve Young ran a bit. John Elway used to run that QB draw in the red zone, but I wouldn't call him a running quarter. I was a big running, rugged running. Cam Newton got to a Super Bowl. Bradshaw early in his career ran around a bit. Staubach did. Russell Wilson was a great, it was at his prime, a great functional scrambler, Aaron Rodgers. But we've never seen a dual threat QB. Colin Kaepernick got close, but we've never seen someone play like Jalen Hurts get all the way to the very peak of the mountain. And I think that's a big spot for Jalen Hurts and for the league that I say is the copycat league. Do you think more teams will indulge? Maybe we should take a, a, a crack at a guy like that. Um, or do you think that at some point people are going to say, combined with the Lamar Jackson experience and where that's headed, they like, we need a pocket passer, po- pocket passer who's functionally uh, good at scrambling when pressure is uh, is coming at him. I think the league will always, always be about you have to be able to throw the ball first. That has to be the number one thing. Because if you can't do that in today's NFL, you're sunk. I don't care how mobile you are, how much you can win with your legs, what kind of numbers advantage you give a team in the red zone. That being said, I do think the league obviously is moving toward you have to be increasingly mobile. Now, that doesn't mean you got to run for 700 yards, but you've got to be able – to get out and run boots and run these moving pockets and be able to throw on the run and, and be able to throw sometimes in some cases across your body, you get the ball back across the field. Um, I mean, I'm 34, but that was a Cardinal sin when I was growing up. Don't God, don't ever throw the ball late across the middle. I mean, now my guys do that all the time because they have the arm strength to do it. And the rules are different. You can't, you can't come across a clothesline, a guy, you know, Steve Atwater today would have been, would have been arrested. So there's a different way of playing. <laughs> um, but I do think, to your point, I actually went back and looked at this during the season when Hertz was, was running wild and Allen was leading the Bills in rushing yardage. No quarterback has ever led his team in rushing and even gotten to the conference championship game. Now, Hertz hmm. did not lead his team in rushing. Miles Sanders did, so he doesn't apply here. But when I was looking at the Bills with Allen, the way they were running the ball, kind of your point earlier, so they're not. there's no way. This is not going to hold up. He, he at some point is either going to get hurt or, or some team's just going to figure out a way to stop this. Hertz is so much better than he was a year ago throwing the football. He's improved greatly every year. But I do think to your point, yeah, Dave, yeah, if they if they win the Super Bowl, and maybe even they've done enough now where you're gonna go, okay, like if, if our guy can throw for 3,800 yards 
4,000 yards, but he also can add this run. Like, we're cool with with giving him more running opportunities. The other part of that is, too, quarterbacks don't get popped like paper bags anymore. Used to be, all right, yeah, you could hook slide, all that, but a lot of guys back in the day didn't, and they got cracked. Guys, now there's so much protection around you. You can take off and run for 10, 15 yards. Hey, get down. You're fine. So, yeah, I think more teams are going to be open to that uh, as we go. Like Anthony Richardson coming out of college this year, people see the athletic ability. Now, he didn't he didn't run for some crazy amount of yardage in college this year, but I think people see the arm married to, hey, man, if we put mm-hmm. this guy in an RPO, it's just, my God, he's going to be unstoppable. That'll intrigue a lot of teams. Boy, I've never thought about that. That's Because I always say the thing about my lament is, of course, the the treatment of QBs, uh, they, you know, people always make jokes about they're not Fabergé eggs. They're, they're, they're NFL QBs. Yeah, except every time they get hit, they get hurt because the guys hitting them are moving so fast and are way bigger than they used to be 20 or 30 years ago. And so the result is concussions and broken elbows and all of that kind of stuff. I hadn't considered, though, that it's easier to design plays because you're not getting popped on those design runs or, you know, or, or, or scrambles or, or otherwise. So it is an attribute that you lean into more if you're a GM and then a head coach. Great point. But yes, I also agree, as I've said for two years, as Eddie Spaghetti can validate that Josh Allen being the lead rusher for the bills is not a great long-term plan to be paying that guy, that level of bank, and then also expect him to last until he's 38. It's win now. They didn't win now. So I do think, Big time. It's the severity. That's what it what it's about. You know, that, that's what when we to round it all back. The QB wins is about. I understand how severe it is. And it's the Joe Asai thing. And like, oh my God, my my heart's broken for that kid. But don't worry, he's got a long career and he's really talented. And this is it's really cool. His teammates rallied around him. Yeah, it sucks. I feel bad for him. And I feel when Tony Romo does that, like. The Bengals have nothing to hang their head about. This rivalry will go on for you. You don't know that. You don't know that. And and you you, you have no idea what tomorrow is going to be for any of these teams and how free agency and otherwise is going to blow these assumptions up. That's that's go ask Matt Hasselbeck played in the Super Bowl. What are you best known for? Shooting your mouth up before overtime and Lambeau about we're going to win this game, which, yeah. by the way, I love. Those singular moments are everything, good or bad. I'm sorry, uh, Joe Asai. That is going to I I feel like I'm being a jerk to say that. Whatever goes on with him, he's good. You know, Ernest Biner won a Super Bowl with Washington. The entire story was he has washed up the stink of that fumble. No, he hasn't. It's all that's what we know him for is for that. That is why these games are so great. And the attempt to wiggle out of the the meaning of them by saying like, well, win or lose, he's still great. It, it, it diminishes it. And I feel like also condescends to the fans because that's what we live for are these moments. Anyway, enough about that because we agree so much. Last thing, because I, I got to get you on the record before I let you go here, is on the officiating on Championship Sunday. Another big playoff Sunday spoiled, I feel, to a large degree. By the officiating, how say you? I thought that in the NFC game, it was. I won't get on them for missing that Devontae Smith catch, non catch, because in real time, I don't think anybody realized it was a drop. Although I will say this if I'm going to blame anybody on that, it's Kyle Shanahan. Like you see Devontae Smith get up and he's signaling frantically to get everybody to the That's line. Right. Kyle, throw a flag, man. Like, pull it out of your pocket and throw the flag out. And then on the next drive, he didn't exactly shroud himself in glory when he had a backup tight end blocking Hassan Reddick. 
And that's when Brock Purdy gets hurt, and now he's out for six months. So, like, you look at this and just go, like, Kyle, what are you doing? I don't think the officials had any part. Now, look, they couldn't throw enough flags on the Niners in the second half of that game. I mean, it was every time something happened, flags came out. Niners weren't going to win anyway, but it made the game into a mockery at some point. The Cincinnati-Kansas City game, I feel like the third down stuff, where they when they replayed third down because – Look, it was insane. And if I'm a player's, if I'm a Bengals player or a coach or a fan, I'm furious. I don't think it had an impact on the game. Like ultimately, they stopped and they got the ball back. The aside penalty, I think everyone with eyes agrees it's a penalty. Like he hit him two steps. I, I, oh my god! First of all, it's a penalty. He hit him two steps. He was halfway to the bench. No, no, no. The penalty exists to to um, protect the QBs. That yeah. uh, in that situation. No human being would be trying to inflict damage on Patrick Mahomes. The guy was running full speed, a, a, a click behind Patrick Mahomes, and one of his teammates is flashing by him, and there are a stack of human beings all there, and he's trying to slow himself down, and he puts his hands up to kind of slow his own momentum. I would, I could let it go based on, you know, again, back to hockey. NHL deserves a lot of a, a lot of um, the way they officiate the sport deserves a lot of criticism. There is yeah. something to the uh, the on ice, um, you know, morality or, or 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 making things right by not swallowing the whistle. That doesn't benefit my Pittsburgh Penguins against uh, teams like uh, Eddie Spaghetti's Rags. That's for sure to like swallow the whistle and allow for more um, physical play, but. At least there's like a makeup call. If it's like we all know we just blew one here, there's a makeup call. To have the the goal after you do something I've never seen in a football game, like redo, redo that whole play in the in the fourth quarter of the AFC title game. I'm, I'm with redo? you on that. Did they do that? And then the very next play they called defensive holding on Eli Apple. Like, who do you think you are? I don't care if it's the most blatant bad defensive holding in the history of people. You can't call it there after you just blew the last call. You have to make it right. And if I really, really stretched my brain, I could cobble together a case that the bad calls against the Bengals took away 90 seconds off the clock, that even 30 seconds of which could have been enough for Joe Burrow to drive his team into field goal range and force overtime. And by having those extra plays it spun the clock just enough that by the time Butker makes that kick, the game is over at that point. So, but I, I, I do agree with you. It's the worst officiated game. I, I'll keep saying worst officiated game I've ever seen. I don't think it ultimately impacted the, I, uh, the, the final score yeah, or I, didn't it, who won the game. I, I think the right team won the game. I'll put it that way. I think though, look, the NFL, it's a, Two things in the NFL with this. Number one, these are supposed to be your all-star crews, and it's just a train wreck from start to finish in both of these games. And then Carl Cheffers is getting the Super Bowl. The man has thrown more <laughs> flags. I mean, it's unbelievable. He's thrown more flags than anyone in the league by a wide margin this year. Every fan base, every time Carl Cheffers officiates a game, they, they, want, to, they want to scream bloody murder. And the NFL was like, no, no, no. He's getting his second Super Bowl in three years. I do not want to see the officials ever. You mentioned hockey. One thing I love about hockey, and, and we could go on for four hours about things that they've screwed up under Gary Bettman. That's fine. I'm, I'm here for all of it. But in the playoffs, you get in the high, especially in the overtimes, you could damn near kill somebody. And it's fine. You play it. 
they do not, unless there's a high stick where they've got to call it, or some guy gets hauled down on a breakaway, you're going to play it. That's it. Like you're going to play, and it's going to go on, and that's how it's going to be. And I and I love that about hockey. Like they will let them play it out and determine who's going to win the game. And I thought, you know, I, and by the way, forget the aside penalty for a second. I'll give you two other ones in that game. The the call on Wiley for taunting, like these are grown men. It's okay. Sam Hubbard's not going to fall into a ball and cry. It's it really is okay. He didn't make physical contact. It would be, but it'd be way funnier if he did, though. It would be very it, funny if it's like that. Right my you know, he's like, wait, I need that. a minute, official. Wait, hold on a second. I got Hey, what he did was not nice, and he did that in front of all these people, and now I'm red in the face. If he's but yes, I agree. That, then throw the flag. The yeah. other part that I actually think the Bengals, if you're a Bengals fan, the biggest gripe with. I think the aside penalty is a penalty ten times out of ten, but on the drive prior to that. Frank Clark hit Burrow about three steps after Burrow got rid of the ball. Now, it was That's just kind of like about, a side. Right? It wasn't a huge hit, but he hit him. And it's a penalty that you see called all the time. And they let it go. And, and Burrow was pissed. And I don't blame Burrow for being pissed. Like, now they ended up converting on the next play, whatever. But they should have been 15 yards up. Like, I, the Bengals have every right to be upset about that call. In the end, I think the right team won. But it was a game that you walked away from. And unfortunately, it should have been about Mahomes and these two great teams going at it, and you walked away from it going, what the hell happened? What was that? I, and the NFL has way too much of that for a league that is worth you know, tens of billions of dollars every year. I agree in the cynic in me and having been up close to it, my guess would be that they say, like, not great, but everybody's talking about us. I think that they, they look at it that way. It's the same thing as the hot takers out there. When people people think they get their pound of flesh, I tweeted at him and told him he's a dummy and like oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Like he wins. You're tweeting, you're thinking of him. Oh, well, you know, the the any if you tweeted a guy like he's the biggest Chiefs hater in the world, and now I'm gonna tweet at him uh or the and laugh in his face, like that guy's the winner. Because you're thinking of him when, when the team that he goes at all the time uh, wins again. If that's your thought, then that's the guy who's winning. I think that's kind of what works for the NFL. It's not bad news necessarily that people are buzzing about it. I do agree with you, though. What are we talking? This all-time performance or what should be hailed as an all-time performance from Mahomes has lost a little luster. And it was special what the what the um, Eagles were able to put together. People are ready. Everybody has to be a cynic. That's the point, man. I'm older than you. That's what you'll see. Everybody has to feel important. And the cheap way to doing it is to express cynicism. I don't like Tony Romo. This Super Bowl isn't watchable because I, the, who likes either one of these teams? What's interesting about everybody's got to say dumb stuff because it gets out into space and then people say what? And then they feel important because people are paying attention to them. This is the act from all over the place. Anyway, listen, I hope this will be the first of uh, of uh, an ongoing conversation uh, with you. Big fan of uh, the work you've been doing here. I'm glad I finally found uh, found you during this uh, NFL season and uh, keep up the great work, pal, and enjoy the Super Bowl. Maybe we'll even see you over there in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Me and Spaghetti and the gang are heading over there. I will be there all week. So uh, come find me. Thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate coming on. We'll rub elbows at, uh, on Media Row somewhere. And now a quick break. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... 
Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, there it was, Eddie Spaghetti. I thought great stuff from him. A great uh, virgin run from Matt there, and I hope we can talk to him. You know what? Sounds like he could uh, join us um, with equal aplomb to talk about some puck after the All-Star break. A much-needed one for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Jesus, are they? I'm getting very worried. I'm not very worried, but I'm, I'm... Something, something's got to change there. Come on, Ron Hextall. You're starting to pre- the, the may, may give some uh, validation to my longstanding theory that you might be a double agent placed there by the Philadelphia Flyers if you don't do something about this. It, Crosby deserves better. But uh, good times with uh, Verderam, right? It was great, uh, despite him being a Devils fan. But yeah, I definitely would like to, to talk puck with him soon. And I, and I did say before, not excited for the Super Bowl, but uh, Matt will be down there. Hopefully, we'll link up with him down there in, in uh, Phoenix or wherever you're going to be, Tempe. And uh, it should be a good time with the with the entire crew to the preview of this game. Uh, outside of that, though, I'm not really looking forward to it. Uh, well, listen, you'll, you'll rub elbows with Eagles fans. Maybe you'll get in a fight. It'll be no. fun. Um, all right. So we will be back with uh, Kevin Hench a little later in the week. Get his thoughts on uh, on upcoming Super Bowl Fifty Seven. Then we'll ship over there um, for next week. Looking forward to all that uh, stuff. Until then, check out everything on extrapoints.com. Get in there, listen to all the great shows there. Get right for the Super Bowl and beyond. Lots of sports going on. As soon as football's over, we can focus our attention on puck and basketball, college and pro, all the rest of it. Um, And we'll talk to you on Thursday. Till then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.